FDIC is the only bank dedicated exclusively to entrepreneurs. That's why we're proud to support women entrepreneurs with the Thrive Podcast, providing startup women with the support and resources they need to start and grow their business. An award-winning entrepreneur, one of Canada's most powerful women, and Startup Canada's ambassador for women entrepreneurs. This is your host, Janice McDonald, for the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. You're listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, a show inspiring, connecting, and educating women entrepreneurs across Canada. On this show, we connect you with leading innovators, change makers, and organizations helping women to own it in entrepreneurship. The Thrive Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community and voice for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada, the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community and subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes and Google Play Music. I'm your host, Janice McDonald, president of the Beacon Agency and Startup Canada's ambassador for women entrepreneurs. We're thrilled to have Vicki Saunders, founder of SheEO, on the show today. Vicki is an entrepreneur, an award-winning mentor, and an advisor to the next generation of changemakers. Vicki's powerful voice in the community makes her a leading advocate for entrepreneurship as a vessel for creating positive transformation throughout the world. In 2013, Vicki started SheEO to change how we support celebrate and finance women entrepreneurs. At its current trajectory, by 2026, CEO will reach 1 million activators and create a $1 billion global fund. A sought-after speaker, Vicky has graced the stages of TEDx conferences, the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, Women of Influence Series in Canada, and she was selected as a global leader for tomorrow by the World Economic Forum. Welcome to the show, Vicki. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. So let's begin with the key message you hope our listeners will take away from our conversation today. I hope that people will take away from this conversation uh, the understanding that um, we are in a mindset in the world right now where success is um, defined only by winner takes all go big or go home. And I hope that people start to understand that there are many different forms of success and there are many different ways to run businesses. And uh, we would really love to celebrate the way that women run businesses and not just try to turn them into men. (laughs) (laughs) So origin stories are always great. Can you give us the deciding factor and the story behind starting this global movement of change? Sure. Well, so I'm a um, serial female entrepreneur. I absolutely just love startup, uh, coming up with ideas and figuring out how to get them into the economy and actualize them. And over the years, I've run a number of different businesses, and it's just been incredibly difficult to get funded as a female entrepreneur. And as I got in community with other female entrepreneurs, you know, I noticed that. And then I started doing the research and realized that only 4% of venture capital goes to women. One of every $23 loaned. Uh, by a traditional financial institution goes to women. 
And, you know, shockingly, we are not 4% of the population. We are 50% of the population. <laughs> yeah, so, the numbers you know, aren't hello. working. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's like something wrong with this picture. Um, and so, I, you know, I really just started to dig into that and figure out, like, how can we shift that and how can we change that? And underneath it all is really, you know, most of the people writing checks are men. Uh, and they fund things that they have experience with. And a lot of female entrepreneurs are having different experiences in the world and their ideas just don't resonate as much with those writing checks. And so getting underneath all of this requires uh, activating women's capital on behalf of the kinds of businesses that women are running. And so I, you know, I've sort of been stewing in this for a couple of decades, really trying to find a model underneath it. Uh, and then when crowdfunding opened up into the world, uh, this fits so much uh, more with women's risk profile, or I'll just speak for myself with my risk profile. And so aggregating smaller amounts of capital in support of the kinds of businesses that create a better world is really the focus behind CEO. And, and that was a real journey of like thousands of conversations, some with you, uh, some with, you know, like lots and lots of other people just trying to figure this out. And now you're, you know, all over, including Forbes has covered you. Tell us what they're saying about you right now. Uh, well, so, you know, it's interesting. There's increasingly, I think people are aware that our systems uh, aren't serving the vast majority of the population. Right now, five men have the same wealth as half the planet. Uh, and, you know, when I started CEO a couple of years ago, it was 85 people had half the wealth of the planet, and then it was 62, and this year, five. So I think there's this, you know, increasing recognition that we really need new models that um, will help create more inclusive societies and more equality. And so, you know, the, that's our message, really, which is like, how can you redistribute capital on behalf of stronger communities, uh, sustainable jobs, so that we can create a better world? And so I've been, you know, talking about our model and how we're doing that. Mm -hmm. And you're getting the well-deserved attention because CEO is working to create opportunities for women. So why don't you kind of walk us through how it works and um You've already had so many tremendous early successes with the um, great companies you funded. So just kind of walk people through that aren't already familiar. Yeah, so our, our model is it starts with a cohort of 500 women who each contribute $1,100. Uh, these women are called activators. Uh, and so they're activating their capital and their networks and their expertise uh, on behalf of female entrepreneurs. And so 500 women contribute $1,100. It's pooled together in a fund. And then it's loaned out at 0% interest to five female entrepreneurs who are selected by those 500 women. Uh, they get a 0% interest loan. They pay it back over five years into the fund. And then it's loaned out again. So we're building this like recycling capital flowing through this fund. And the goal is to get to a million women and a billion dollar fund as soon as possible. And so the ventures that get selected, I mean, it's, uh, as a female entrepreneur, I'm sure you can appreciate this. And as one of our amazing activators, uh, who's radically generous with your capital, the thing that's just crazy about this is, you know, just if you're starting up and you're mm -hmm. feeling kind of alone, which a lot of female entrepreneurs mm -hmm. do, imagine having 500 women surrounding right. you and being able to ask for help. It's just like, what? I mean, it's just kind of blows your mind. Uh, and to be validated by 500 women, like to be selected as one of those companies just gives you such a boost in your confidence, in your belief in yourself, uh, in your boldness. Mm -hmm. So we've noticed that a, a lot of... And I would say even in your opportunity, oh, right? in your because opportunity now first. you've got people engaged in making sure that you succeed. Yeah, I mean, it's really, you know, one of our activators... Uh, from San Francisco actually framed it this way for me, which I thought was interesting. She said, right now, I mean, if you think of sort of Dragon's Den or our traditional sort of pitch approach, 
a person with the money sits there and looks across the table and says, prove to me that you're going to get me a great return and that you've got everything you need to make this happen. Uh, and with CEO, we go, oh my God, we love what you're doing. Could we support you to help you grow? Right? Like it comes from a completely different place. Um, and, and equation, I would say, you know, it's a, a much more equation. balanced, um, right? It's a win-win on two sides. Yeah, I think that's what we're noticing. I mean, it's uh, it's very meaningful to feel like you're having an impact to help someone grow. Uh, and especially when that company is doing good in the world, it feels quite special. And then, yeah, from the entrepreneur's perspective, it's just like, oh my God, there's another way to do this. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. just powerful. Yeah. And, you, and what I think is exciting also, and perhaps you can kind of expand on it so people really understand the power of it, is this sense of community that you're creating. And you talked about this idea of a activators helping. Can you share how you actually facilitate those uh, opportunities? Yeah, I think the secret sauce is here that we don't really facilitate it. We we have this online community where when you become an activator, you're now in this network. And you, so you, you're meaning right. though you facilitate it through tech, right? Yeah, like you've created a yeah, so people can yeah. actually ask. That's that's what I mean in terms of the yeah. facilitation. Yeah, absolutely. So so you come into this online community um, you are, you see the asks from the entrepreneurs and you can reach out and help, but you also have the tools to ask the women in the network for help yourself as one of the activators. Uh, and so that was something, um, I didn't even realize there was such a desire for when we started this. I thought people would just be, um, you know, putting their capital in and, and helping female entrepreneurs. And it's just turned into this very vibrant community of radically generous women supporting each other. And so it's, it's really, it's a, this community that is yours. So people are starting businesses together, buying each other's businesses, mentoring each other. Our activators are all ages and stages. So from currently from 12 to 93 years old, it's amazing. <laughs> so we have mothers, daughters, and grandmothers. And Janice, I think you were one of the first ones who sponsored your daughter in. Mm-hmm. It's just a mm-hmm. beautiful intergenerational experience mm-hmm. where, you know, if you're just graduating from school and you're looking for an internship or a job or to be plugged in, uh, in this network, we have women from all different walks of life helping each other. So it's pretty cool. It's so cool. And you're so passionate about it. And thank you for doing it because absolutely true. We need new and better models, you know, like plainly we just do. So why don't you give us a sense of, so you started with a bold idea. It started Mm -hmm. in Canada, but it has ignited globally. Can you give us a sense of where it's going and, and what you're, you know, just tell us more about the CEO world that, that you've created. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the, the best part of the technology age is how connected we are without even really knowing it. And so when this idea was, launched into the world, we started to get emails from all different corners uh, of the planet saying, can you bring this to our community? And so we've had over 100 regions, 150 regions from around the world apply to replicate the model. And it's just all been the connective tissue. Like we're all, I mean, not everybody, but many people are very connected. And so, you know, someone from Toronto goes on a business trip to Singapore or to Australia or to New Zealand. And all of a sudden we start getting emails from those places, right? Somebody (laughs) talks about it and it sort of kicks in or an article comes, you know, somebody, I think one of the early things was Tina Roth Eisenberg, Swiss Miss on Twitter, Mm -hmm. uh, posted something. And all of a sudden we got all these pings from Switzerland and we're like, whoa, who's that? And what is this? And, you know, so it's just that the interconnectedness of everything uh, really sort of escalates. And so the chance to get a, a good idea out in the world 
I mean, technology is really facilitating that. So it's been amazing. We're in Canada, the US and New Zealand right now. Uh, and we're preparing for Mexico, Australia and Netherlands. Wow. And going on a bit of a Southeast Asian tour in 2018. And so, uh, you know, we're following the energy of this idea. And it's it's only possible because of the radically generous activators, these women who are coming forward and spreading the word. You know, we have a very, very small team of five people mm-hmm. uh, and people are like, oh, you're getting all this press. And I'm like, it's only because people are talking about it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's all inbound. It's not like yeah. we have this huge budget of like a media person. Oh, it's all earned. Yeah. It's, it's earned media, which crazy. is actually yeah. so much more exciting. It's people coming and saying, you're doing something different and better and we need to know about it. So um, can you share also, so we're going to talk about, you know, women entrepreneurs who maybe aren't aware of CEO and how they can think about applying to be, you know, part of a cohort. So maybe you can walk us through that. And then we'd love to hear about sure. some of the businesses that have already been funded and what they're up to. Oh, great. Yes. So our, uh, so we fund a certain kind of venture at this point, you need to be revenue generating. So you have to have at least $50,000 in revenue be majority woman-owned and woman-led, and be able to answer the question of how you're creating a better world, either with your product or service, or how you're doing business. Uh, and so you can apply through our website at sheeo.world. Our next cycle is going to be in the fall of 2018. We're just finishing up our cycle for 2017. It's 12 questions to apply, no pitch decks, no attachments, no jargon. This is one of the reasons I think why people are buzzing about it. It's really easy to apply. Mm -hmm. And every single person who applies gets personalized feedback on their application because the activators are leaving comments. And you may actually find an advisor or a mentor or a funder because they could check a box and say, if you're not selected in the top 25, uh, you know, they'd like to help you. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's just been a, a cool thing. And some of the ventures that, um, you know, we have such a broad range, we are sector agnostic. So you can be in any, any part of the economy. So we have people that are doing wellness or health or food, or, you know, disability, aging population, um, tech, AI, like almost uh, every sort of sector, it's been really quite fascinating. Um, and so like our ventures are growing roughly at 300% on average per year. Which is incredible. Like just pause for a sec. That's incredible. (laughs) Anybody would take that number. (laughs) Yeah. So the revenue growth is really wonderful. And again, it's because, you know, when you're surrounded by radically generous people, you, you start to ask for help more. And we notice, I mean, personally, I have such a hard time asking for help. And, uh, I know a lot of, uh, female entrepreneurs have a hard time asking for help because, you know, it's perceived as like, oh, you don't know what you're doing if you're asking for help. Um, and so creating a safe space for that allows people to ask for help and then grow faster. Right. So in the past, you may just like put your head down, do it by yourself and stay small. And there's an opportunity when you get into this network to kind of lift your head up, and ask that first time and go, whoa, I got what I needed within 24 hours. Um, hmm, maybe I should ask a little bit bigger. And each month, you know, <laughs> yeah. each month sort of see that you develop a muscle of asking and, and dreaming a little bit bigger. And that's what's really led to it is, you know, I'm, there's a, an entrepreneur I met with a couple of weeks ago for lunch. And I looked across the table and I'm like, you are unrecognizable from two years ago, like a completely different person. She just was sitting tall super pumped about this year, talking about quadrupling our revenue. I'm like, oh my God, who are you? (laughs) Right? Like, this is what can happen when we really support each other. Talk about role models and um, mentorship, because, you know, we know that that there's a giving, but why does it matter? Yeah, I just, 
you know, especially uh, for female entrepreneurs, I just, you know, there are old boys networks out there that we hear about all the time and they pick up the phone and they call each other and they make things happen. That hasn't been a natural thing that's happened for women in the past. And this is something that we really need to change. To have a, a network of women that you can, you know, pick up the phone and call is a huge, huge deal. And many, many female entrepreneurs that I know have never really had mentors or advisors. And that, that support network around you is huge. Like I'll just speak for myself. I have enough voices in my head telling me I can't do uh, <laughs> what I'm trying to do. I don't need any more other people around me, right? right? Right. And so if you can be surrounded by people who are lifting you up instead of pulling you down, it's mm -hmm. a game changer. Yeah. Uh, and that's a culture change that we really need. And so to, to almost create like this Insta network overnight for female entrepreneurs that we're really excited about, that's a real gift. And as we start to do more and more of that, I think we, we tend to look around us and go, who else could I be supporting? Mm -hmm. And it, and in many senses, you know, it's, it's, it's also providing some armor, um, for the harshness of entrepreneurship because it is tough. Oh my God. It's so hard. Every, mm -hmm. you know, like when I was starting CEO, I didn't really think of it as a startup. And now mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my God, is this yeah. like a childbirth thing that you just forget about it? Right. <laughs> and then you're like, holy crap, here we are again. Uh, it's a super, super, super challenging thing. Uh, I find myself in tears at least once a week, <laughs> yeah. just with, like how hard it is, you know, for us to build this as a startup and then for all the startups. But as soon as I get on a phone call with one of our, when I'm feeling down, I call an entrepreneur and I'm like, it's so hard. <laughs> Uh, and then they're like, oh yeah, me too. So I, I think just being surrounded in a network of people that you can talk to or who are having a similar experience really just, it helps you. What has surprised you as you've been building this startup? Uh, well, I've been surprised by the, um, how we've really tapped into something that's needed, like providing another pathway to be successful. Mm -hmm. We live in a world that was designed by men, mostly for men and their traits. And, you know, female entrepreneurs and women are a little bit different. Um, and so to design a model that works for us uh, on our own terms, right? Like we're in this place right now where it's like, go big or go home. If it's not a big company, don't even start. If it's not scalable, forget it. And I just, you know, I think that there are lots and lots of ways to be successful. And so just sharing that model with other people and having them get excited about it uh, makes me feel like I'm not as alone as I thought I was. <laughs> yeah. And um, so if I think about CEO, there's so much innovation throughout everything that you're doing. One of the things that you do that's different, so and, and you can kind of walk us through this. So you, you get to the um, 25 and then down to your final five. Um, so maybe first we can talk about how, you know, how activators select, like how you even, because you get so many applications. How do you end up even with the 25 and then we can continue on and understand sure. those final five? Yeah. So as an entrepreneur, you can apply to our website. You fill out the 12 questions. It's all text-based. Um, and then women go online and vote. So uh, they just log in. You can do this on your own time and you vote, you know, yes or no. Do you want this company to go forward to the top 25 or not? Uh, and you can also leave comments about uh, the entrepreneur so they'll get that when they're done. When we get to the top 25, then we ask you for to validate your financials and for a one minute video. And then everybody goes back online about a month later and we vote for the top five companies. And, you know, this has been a, a surprising thing. Um, we designed it this way because we know that women make 80% of purchasing decisions. Mm -hmm. And so if we select companies we're excited about that we want to market and become customers for, they're likely to be successful 
you know, and, and then on yeah. top of that, they, then on top of that, they get a 0% interest loan. So it's like double whammy. Um, and so that, that part of it is like designing for, you know, the, the best companies out of 500 women's intuition versus having five experts decide who has the greatest right. market potential. Right. Right. That's a very different approach. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's and needed. To- it's so yeah. needed. It feels yeah. different. The outcomes are different. It's so much more collaborative and representative of how women want to and actually do business. Yeah. Well, and also the thing that, I mean, having uh, been a, you know, I mean, I know you're an angel investor. All of my friends who are angel investors or VCs really make their decisions. Like the best ones make their decisions based on their intuition, not mm-hmm. six months of due diligence looking at spreadsheets, right? <laughs> right? They go in five minutes, they go, this person is a learner. Uh, of course they're going to pivot, but I, there's something about them that feels special that I resonate with and I'm going to invest like that's how, and that's an intuition based thing. And women Mm -hmm. have that in spades. So Mm -hmm. this is designed to really leverage that. Mm -hmm. And it's been so incredibly successful. If I look at, um, you know, your first cohort, so not only have they had the growth, but they've gone on to win awards and get all kinds of attention for their innovative businesses. Yeah, well, this is another, um, you know, unintended consequence, which is interesting, which is when we lift each other up, we we create recognition opportunities, right? So I, every venture from our first year has won some kind of award. Um, so Nadia won Startup Canada Entrepreneur of the Year. And then mm-hmm. in our second year, Satya won for Aboriginal Entrepreneur of the Year. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all getting uh, some recognition. It's partly because we're shining a spotlight on them. And, and saying, you know, this is, this is a really exciting company. And then they're growing really quickly and 70% of them are raising follow on capital. And now our activators are becoming investors in them because they're in relationship with them. They see them grow, they've fallen in love with them and they want to help. So the other thing that you do, cause it's innovation from, in, in my view, from every corner of, of CEO, you also do things differently when you get down to the final five. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell us all about that because this yeah, is so, so great. So, um, you know, I, I had mentioned earlier this concept of winner takes all. And so usually when we have a, a competition or a program like this, there's a winner and they get the money. So here you go, $500,000 prize. Um, I've been really wondering, like, how do we distribute capital in new ways? We don't really know how to do it except for bet it all on red, like big casino. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, it was like, okay, so there's $500,000 here. We've picked five companies. The sort of natural thing to do would be like pick one, two, three, or everybody gets the same amount. And I thought, well, what if we experiment with this and see and turn it over to the entrepreneurs to decide how this money should be distributed? Because not everyone really needs the same amount of money. And how do you determine who's going to have the biggest impact with that capital? So we bring them together for a weekend, five of them together. They meet their coaches. They meet each other. They open up their books to each other. They learn about their negotiating styles, which most of us don't know that we have one. Mm. Um, And we do that on purpose. And can you pause there and tell us more about that? Because that's fascinating. Well, so uh, in general, we know that women don't negotiate on their own behalf. Someone will say, you know, here's your salary. And you're like, thank you very much. Uh, whereas, you know, men, they say to, you know, men often, here's your salary. And, and they go, yeah, but I want more. <laughs> they start negotiating. Yeah, great starting point. Right. Let's get, yeah. let's actually have a conversation yeah. now. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so knowing that that's a challenge and knowing that this is an extremely important muscle for an entrepreneur to have, to be able to negotiate for your contracts, for your investors, et cetera, we create a safe space for you to negotiate on your own behalf. And so learning about whether or not your conciliatory as a negotiator or aggressive, 
Um, and so as we do that with the whole group of five, they learn, first of all, what their skill is. And then they know we tell them what everyone else is. And then we give them tools to negotiate when you're being conciliatory and someone else is being aggressive. How do you deal with that? How do you, wow. you know, how do you get through that process? Real so, practical skills. Super practical. And then mm-hmm. we, you know, give you the ultimate challenge, which is we say there's $500,000 on table on the table and we're leaving the room and it's over to you to divide up 500 women's money in a way that honors the highest impact and make sure that we get hundred percent of that money paid back. So don't ask for more than you can pay back. Right. Um, and then the rule is you can't give it all to one and you cannot divide it up evenly which is exactly what I would do if I was an animal woman. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I'd be like, right. I love you. Yay. Yeah. Fairsies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's kind of the easy way out. And so we, you go through a process. You force it. Yeah. That. Yeah, we do. Um, with love. Yeah. <laughs> of course, with love. And so they go through that process together and, you know, like it's unbelievable how that happens. Every time it's a little bit different, but the stories that come out are quite powerful. So, you know, an entrepreneur, they'll notice that somebody is being conciliatory and they'll encourage her to ask for more. Mm. Like I can't imagine my brothers doing that. Right. Be like, Forget it. Yeah. So it just, They'd run, they got it. They, they just yeah, go. So I, I really do believe that there's this really, there's this collaboration that comes very, very naturally to women. And we're trying to have everybody win in this approach. Right. So if you think yeah. of even how you run your family, you don't pick one child to succeed over another. You have multiple different definitions of success. Yeah. And, and this is something where someone may not get all of the money, but it's what they need. And so each time, I'm always kind of blown away by this process. Every time when people walk out, they're all happy. There's never anyone who walks out and is unhappy. They believe that they got what they needed. And uh, that to me is, you know, this is almost like a social experiment in a way of like, it is. how we allocate capital in new ways on behalf of people on their own terms. Yeah, empowering them to to actually say, here's what I need, but also to work with the system to make sure that they have that voice to say what they truly do need. Yeah, and I think the other thing is, too, when you come at this from a trusting perspective as opposed to a control perspective, which is the way the world is mostly organized, Mm -hmm. when we trust that they are going to do the right thing, it's Mm -hmm. amazing how hard they are on each other. Like, they'll push back (laughs) like crazy, and they'll create all these social contracts like, okay, you're going to get 70 grand, we agree, however... Before you can spend that money, you need to work with the coaches, get sign off on how you're going to hire that person, make sure you know exactly what skill set you're looking for, and then it's okay for you to spend the money. So they create wow. all these like little contracts with each other on the side, which we would never be able to do from a top down. And so there's it's that, very, you know, yeah. I was just going to add, there's, <clears throat> excuse me, that accountability that goes with it, right? Because they're, they're holding each other to these really high standards. They really are. And I mean, to date, we are we have a 100% payback rate of loans. And I think it's partially due to this turning it over to them and having them decide on how much they each should get. And like they really, they work on each other to go, why are you doing it that way? You know, why do you need money for that? I've got a person who does it for half that price. Why don't I introduce you to them? Or I've got what you need in this space so you can take that off your budget and let's make the money go farther. So there's quite a bit of collaboration and sharing of resources that happens when, you know, there's $500,000 on the table and the overall ask after the first time they do it is like a million, which often happens, right? They come in at twice the number and then they're like, oh, <laughs> now what do we do? How are we going to get down to 500? So they share. Yeah. yeah. And um, can you give us a sense of, you know, uh, 
one of the times how it kind of got divided up? Yeah. So uh, as I mentioned, everybody always gets money. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, this one example is that they they came in and they, the first amount was $960,000 and there's 500k on the table. So they came in doing what they know how to do, which is like, here's my personal ask. Right. Um, And then they have to sit there and go, what is the highest and best use of this capital? And what are you really trying to do? And so they stepped back after that when they had like, you know, almost double the amount of asks and said, what is it that you uh, need to have this year from a capital perspective? What's that going to get you to? And what happens if you don't get that? Mm-hmm. And so they, they came back with a rethink and they were actually under budget. Wow. Um, at, which is interesting. Um, that is. and then they, and they did it like a thing, you know, if I get $70,000, it's going to create, you know, 1.5 million in new revenue. And if I don't get it, here's the challenge, right? So they literally did this whole chart of what it was going to create in terms of growth for them. And then when they were under budget, they looked through who took the most out of their ask and did you take out too much? Mm. And one of them said, actually, yeah, I did take out too much. And so they said, well, you need to here, take the, the amount that's left over because you need that to grow to where you want to go. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God. You know, so it's it's just a very, very different approach. They uh, honor each other's needs and they're they're wanting to all be successful. And they, it's a kind of different place. They, What I've heard them say uh, in, in this particular group is we, we want everyone here to be successful. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to starve you. Right. You know, like I, I, if I starve you, then and, and I succeed and you don't, that's a lose, right? Yeah. How do we how do we all win? And that's a very different perspective than our current mindset in the world. Yes. And it's so refreshing. So you talked about that the um five final um ventures all get coaches. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's yeah. yeah, can you talk a little more about sure. that? Yeah, I think this is something that uh, I personally didn't have a coach for many, many years. I don't know if you did at the beginning, but I this is one of the things that we often note that um, women don't spend money on getting a coach to support right. them. And it's a game changer. Oh, my God. As soon as I had a coach, I was like, whoa, having somebody, especially if you're an entrepreneur uh, and you don't really have anyone to be accountable to, that's hard. So every yep. week, you know, when I have that coaching call, you're thinking two days before the coaching call, oh, she's going to ask me about this. Did I do it? You know? <laughs> yeah. Really Did I do real- my homework? <laughs> yeah, I got to do that. Um, and so uh, we have these uh, two incredible world-class coaches, Mary Jane and Lauren, who are currently coaching the ventures. Every two weeks, there's a coaching call for an hour. Uh, we're adding in a peer-based call because mm. there's so much learning across the peer group uh, once sure. a quarter. And so having that regular conversation with someone who's just amazing uh, to just help you get out of your own way, to deal with the issues you have. And, and then with CEO, we have a, a pretty of a different um, sort of framing. I, we, and it is how we focus on this. So it's like, I, what is your leadership style as an entrepreneur? What are your goals? What are your values? What are you sh- shooting for? And then we, what is your team? You know, what do you need on your team to support you given what you're great at and what you're not great at? And then the business, it. Mm. Whereas I find a lot of programs I see only focus on the business. Yeah. And women have a lot of extra stuff going on, right? We're generally like the primary caregiver. We have elderly parents, like all this kind of stuff going on. And so sometimes with the coaching calls, uh, you know, an entrepreneur is just like so stressed with her personal life that she can't even get to her business. Mm -hmm. And so our coaches will go, let's figure out how to get all that stuff out of the way so you can focus on your business. So they'll have a call about just the emotional challenges and how to create a, you know, a scheduling program for your family so you can actually work on your business. That's a very different kind of approach. 
uh, than traditional coaching where they're like, suck it up and deal with it and move on. Let's talk about your business. Yeah. You and, didn't make your numbers. Yeah. Right. So there's, a, <laughs> yeah. there's a real holistic approach to how we do coaching, um, which we find is very important. And I'll just like speaking for myself, I had a really, really hard time building my confidence. It took me many, many years, lots of, uh, startups. Cause I just mm-hmm. felt so different than the norm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to be validated that, you know, like one of our ventures, um, is an inventor, and for years, everyone told her, like, you know, you don't have a business degree. How are you ever going to run this? Mm. And in our network, we're like, oh, my God, you're an amazing inventor. We'll just get you an operations person to help right. you with the business stuff. Right. And she's like, oh, you mean it's okay that I'm not <laughs> good at all those other things? And we're like, yeah, nobody is. You know? Right. And yeah. so that that validation and that it's okay to be what you are and mm-hmm. then just fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't something that we hear as a normal narrative. And I would add, we hear, you know, if I think about myself speaking to women entrepreneurs, not just in Canada, but frankly, around the world, the confidence piece does, you know, it's, it's a challenge. It's there. It, it plays out in many ways. And of course, in large part, it's also because exactly how you referenced it, you know, women hear that the way they're doing things and their instincts are not the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're not the norm because, you know, we're not the status quo status quo is, you know, a male founder who stands up on stage and is very confident and, you know, projects that they're going to disrupt the universe. Whereas a woman gets up on stage and says, I'm going to hit $2 million in revenue next year. And we do, right? right. It's like, we're super <laughs> right. practical. We under promise. Yeah. We generally over deliver. We get to profitability more quickly than our male counterparts. We're highly capital efficient. And both of those things are actually in the current narrative, those are considered to be bad things. Right. Which is like living in lunacy. Yeah. (laughs) So um, what do you see? So so for our listeners who are entrepreneurs, um, maybe they want to get CEO ready. Um, You talked about negotiating strengths and negotiating skills is something that, you know, is it needs to be strengthened. What are other things that you have found um, women entrepreneurs, um, you know, it could be challenges they face aside from sort of the larger narrative, but are there specific skills that you'd like uh, women entrepreneurs to think about as they're building their ventures? Yeah. I mean, I think I see such a broad range uh, of skill set. I think in general, the world, it has very low financial literacy, uh, not just female entrepreneurs, but everybody, I think people avoid this uh, and it's really not that hard. So um, I, I think there's, there's something around the financial literacy part that's huge. I also just feel like the value of your network is so huge and missing, like not building your network because you don't need one right now is a big miss. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think constantly like reaching out to others, connecting in, finding your tribe of folks is very, very, very important. Uh, And then trusting your gut. Like this is something every entrepreneur really needs to build up. The number one question I get asked from uh, female entrepreneurs is, am I doing this right Mm. And I'm always there to go, there is no right way. Have you looked at the world, right? Like we have no <laughs> idea what we're doing. It's uh, true. So, right? yeah. It's like so crazy. So tr- that's the challenge of like, if you're going to be a leader, you can't follow someone else's path. There is no. no right way to do something. There are no six steps to go to market in the retail space, right? Like it's absolutely all bets are off and we're at this huge moment of disruption. And so this uh, trusting that what you see and does not feel right to you um, is is huge, huge importance. I think it's a massive competitive advantage right now to be a woman. Massive. Mm -hmm. Because all of our existing structures are mostly designed by men. 
and a lot of them are not working. And so you have to be able to see the world differently in order to innovate it. Mm-hmm. And so as w- as we look at systems around us, like I could redesign almost everything uh, every day. You know, I've just got that lens constantly looking at it. Like my number one pet, pet peeve at the moment is lapel mics because they're designed for three-piece suits and dudes, right? right? And so every time I go to get mic'd up for a speaking engagement, you must have this all the time. Mm-hmm. Someone tells me I'm wearing the wrong clothing. <laughs> right. And I'm like, how, how about someone just designs a better mic that works <laughs> right. for this clothing instead of I'm wearing the wrong stuff? You know, like it's, you sort of see it all around you. And so really owning that and recognizing it and seeing it as an opportunity instead of trying to go, oh, nobody else is doing this. Therefore, maybe it's not the right thing. And maybe I'm not right. You're like you, you got to sort of shed that and really own what you see as yours. So it's hard. It's challenging. But you remain <laughs> hopeful, Vicki. Oh, the change yeah. is mean, coming. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm so unemployable by anybody else. Like I could not <laughs> ever do what someone else told me to do. So I, sometimes I think for entrepreneurs, it's just, you know, women often choose this role so to have more flexibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in my case, it's just, I, I literally just can't work inside a box. So <laughs> I need to create my own thing. But yeah, it's, it's challenging, but it's so deeply rewarding when you have that personal efficacy of feeling like you're making a difference and, and getting your dreams out in the world. So what else would you like to share as a final kind of thought with our listeners today? What yeah, about CEO, about community, about, you know, getting engaged, involved? What what do you want yeah. people to know? So, I mean, I think the, the number th- one thing I would say to everybody is, you know, shed your network and your community of people who bring you down. Mm. It's extremely important to surround yourself. And I don't mean like have a bunch of people around you who tell you you're right all the time. But surround right. yourself with people who really believe in you and have your back um, because it's, it's super tough to reach your dreams when you're surrounded by people picking at you and poking at you. Uh, mm-hmm. And so permission to clean your closets of those people uh, would be not my number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, find that network of radically generous women. And if you're inspired by being part of CEO, uh, please, you know, check out our website at CEO.world uh, and come in. It's just been amazing to me to watch groups of women come in together and share that $1,100 contribution and do the voting process together. We're having voting parties this year for the first time. <laughs> That's so together. Like it's fun. Becoming very community oriented. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I really, I do believe that if you're surrounded by people that are lifting you up, you, you're going to reach your potential. And if you keep yourself isolated and you're not worthy, it's really, really hard. Well, you're changing the world. You're making it better for all of us. Vicki Saunders, you are the founder of CEO, but you are a inspiration and it's no surprise that you're an award-winning mentor. Of course, you're an entrepreneur, you're advisor to the next generation of change makers, and certainly a very powerful voice in our community uh, here in Canada, but also globally. Thank you for all that you are doing to make women and entrepreneurship a a, a better world for for all of us through through your social innovation with women entrepreneurs. Thank you so much, Vicky. Well, thank you, Janice, because it wouldn't be happening without women like you as well. It's extremely important. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, a show inspiring, connecting, and educating women entrepreneurs across Canada. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to find resources designed to support thriving women-owned businesses across Canada. And visit 
startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rivers Corbett and to learn about the latest startup community news and events like our popular startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Until next time, I'm Janice McDonald, leaving you now with a sneak peek of our next episode. This is, hi, this is Colleen Sinclair from Global Affairs Canada's Trade Commissioner Service, and you're listening to Thrive Podcast with Janice McDonald. What's exciting now is, is, and I think the word is getting out even more and more for entrepreneurs to understand that we have this amazing service and experts available to help you with your company. So to kind of make it fruitful, what do you want people to come in for those first meetings? What, what are you hoping or what are the questions you're going to be asking so they know how to prepare? Where do you want to go? What is it you're seeking? If you're a an entrepreneur in Canada, most of the time they're seeking investment, you know, and most of the time that's why the U.S. is the first entry with 70% of global VC. And so you're seeking investment. Um, what's your plan for the market? You know, a lot of the times the U.S. VCs, they want to know what your growth plan is. How are you getting to 20% a year? over three to five years. So you have to have really thought out what your plan of action is and you have to make sure that you have your management team in place and that you're ready to internationalize. If there's one thing that we've learned is that companies aren't thinking international early enough and they have to almost do it from inception. 